Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, where we continue our reflections into theology of the body. And what a great privilege and honor it is to be able to engage this all-important subject matter that is so close to so many of us. As it is Wednesday evening, and as I've had Chris and Derek with me from time to time, I am excited to have uh, Derek Allen in studio with me. Chris was uh, unable to join me, but Derek is here. So, Derek, great to have you with good, me another evening. Good to be back, Joe. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it'll be good to have all three of us back in the studio one of these <laughs> nights. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the last time I think you were here was just you and Chris. Uh, by the way, you guys did a great job. Um, so here we are, Derek, in this work, Fill These Hearts, which is a book authored by Christopher West, as he brings to light some of John Paul II's insights. It certainly has been the point of so many discussions with uh, you, the listener out there, and so we just continue to tread along uh, this all-important subject matter. And this evening, what we have before us, Derek, is an opportunity to talk about, yes, the sexual urge and how it's that raw material for the more authentic love to develop, but also uh, link it to prayer and how we think about prayer as it relates to desire. Um, So that'll be another uh, key piece for us. Now, this particular chapter, he opens up with what we experience in our sexual urge towards others and how we call it a fire, a fire for just the other, no, no, a fire for God himself. Uh, one of the overarching points in theology of the body is that uh, we are created in the image and likeness of God, and because of that, uh, in every way possible, we are to offer ourselves to God. That includes our sexuality. And uh, if we are to understand any point, Derek, from theology of the body, it is that. Male and female, we belong to God. And so this really is what lies at the foundation of our faith and the foundation of theology of the body. Uh, Why? Because to talk about the sexual urge, to talk about this fire, this passion, Derek, is to remember that it takes us to the meeting place between the physical and the spiritual. Another great theme to theology of the body. There is a unity right, to the body and soul. Uh, we have highlighted this in the past as it relates to the sacramentality of the body. That is to say, the body itself, in the words of John Paul II, communicates a deeper reality. And this is what we need to be so present to in our journey of understanding theology of the body. Well, and not only do we see that in our own bodies, but we also see that in the sacraments, you know, primarily matrimony and, and the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. You know, matrimony, the, the union of two into one flesh, but then in a special way we have that joining of the physical and the spiritual in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, body, blood, soul, and divinity present to us so that we can receive him and be received by him. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that, that those moments, you know, the, the married life and, and the sacrament of the Eucharist are really sort of the two, like, twin peaks of theology of the body. And, you know, maybe for some of us who are listening for the first time, Derek, they, they hear the word sacrament, they hear the words body and soul, and uh, unity of body and soul, and what are they talking about um, out there in Chico, California? Well, by way of illustration, you know, we talk about in the context of the sacramentality of the body, right? What does that mean? Well, if I am happy, what do I do? You I, smile. Yes, I smile. I giggle. There is a physical outward expression of this interior reality. If I am uh, embarrassed, what do I do? You blush, you, you know, hide away. Yeah, there is something of an outward expression, a physical manifestation of that embarrassment, if it's red cheeks, whatever it may be, right? Um, or if I'm sad, what do I do? I cry. There are tears. Again, a physical manifestation uh, that is not autonomous from the soul, that is not autonomous from the interior reality. So when we talk about this uh, sexual urge pointing to something even greater than the opposite sex, what we are made to see is uh, that greater is not what is finite but infinite, that which belongs to God. Uh, Over the past few weeks, Derek, I have been talking about the importance of being on fire for God. Well, sure. if our sexual urge is not purified, and if we are not dealing with it and being present to it, then that fire is going to dim. And, and I think the practicality is how do we as individuals know when is this sexual fire in us leading us closer to God, mm-hmm. and when and how does this lead us to sin? Because it can do both. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the great work of the devil is that he can take things that are intrinsically good and use them for evil, or take things that are intrinsically evil and make them appear to us to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can take the desire for us to help someone and, and manipulate that into a way that hurts that person. And he can take this sexual desire we have for God and use that to desire sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, if you were to go back to the Garden of Eden, and Genesis 3.1, what do we read? That uh, the serpent was subtle. In the Hebrew, when you translate subtle, what you get is the exploitation of nakedness. The exploitation of nakedness. So yeah, what is Satan doing? Well, we know that he is the father of all lies, so he takes what is good in our sexuality and he plagiarizes it because this is what he does best. He exploits it for what it is not. And ultimately, in the end, uh, what we have is, as you just spoke to, Derek Sin. And uh, something, yes, we need to be present to. I was just asked yesterday, Joe, why does Pope Francis talk about the devil all the time? Well, because he's real. He exists. And all you have to do is look around and see how pornography is rampant, sexual trafficking is so rampant. Um, And so, yeah, very important to be uh, present to, because if we are not, then our sexual urge will take us down again towards a path of sin. And so what do we do with this, Derek? You know, um, there was a great story told by Christopher West of a of a young man who came to him sure. and said, "Hey, yeah. you know, I I have this sexual urge towards my wife. Um, I also have this sexual urge towards this Victoria's Secret model. And what do I do with this? How do I turn this 
and make it something that belongs to God. And Christopher West gives that young man this great prayer. Lord, why am I so attracted to Alessandra Abrosio? What is this fire she stirs in me? I give it entirely to you. Purify my, des my desires and show me what I'm really looking for. Mm. And I think what that really hits on most importantly is that the greatest combat to temptation is prayer. Mm -hmm. Because like we mentioned earlier, that is the devil trying to take this good desire and turn it for evil. So we need to come to God in those moments and say, God, this is happening. How can I turn this around for your glory? Help me to turn this around mm -hmm. um, that I can grow closer to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that all-important word, purify. <laughs> you know, Purify my desires that they may rightfully belong to you, that these desires might actually be something that is holy. So important. Then later on, I, I know Christopher West talks about, you know, when we offer up to God that prayer or that kind of prayer, um, we listen to God, right? This lies at the heart of our faith. We go to God asking, pleading, requesting, <laughs> help me. You know, that's the first prayer of, uh, of spontaneity, right? Help me in, in what I'm going through. And we have to understand that God is not going to be embarrassed when we go to him with such requests as uh, Christopher West gave this young man. No, he wants that from us. He knows what we need because he created us in his image and likeness, right? And when we go to him, we listen to him. This lies at the heart of our faith, uh, Derek, because the very word faith means what? Uh, the Hebrew word for faith is emunah. Right? Faithfulness or response of listening. The great prayer of, of the Israelites is, Hear, O Israel, Shema, hear and accept. Okay, so faith is about the response of listening. It's just not the ascent into some impersonal magnetic force out there. No, it is uh, the belief in a living God. And because he is God who is love. We respond with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength with our very lives. And I think it's important for us as Christians to resist the temptation to put our expectation on God. Mm. Mm. When we come to Him with those desires, when we come to Him with our needs, oftentimes I find that I personally, I expect a certain response. And that's not, that's not right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, God is a loving Father, and in that love of His, His responses can vary. You know, sometimes His response to me may, may be yes. Okay, Derek, yes, let's do this. And sometimes it may be no. Mm -hmm. And it's not right for me to expect one or the other. Um, because like you said, God is a living being. Mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. has a will. Yeah, And, and really, you know, St. Alphonsus speaks about the the real strive of, of being a Christian is to unite our will with His. Amen. Which is hard. Yeah, <laughs> yes it is. Amen. Yeah, there's yes, no, and there's not yet, right? And not yet. Because really, uh, and I'm speaking now as a father, there are times when uh, my children come to me and uh, they have very specific requests, Derek, and uh, sometimes according to what I think is best for them, and I'm going to have their best interest in mind, right? I'm going to say yes. 
And other times I'm going to say no. And other times, because I have a sense of what he's asking for and I see bigger picture, I'm going to say not yet. As you just spoke to it, God is infinite. (laughs) He sees bigger picture. And so sometimes it's yes, no, and not yet. And expectation, I'm glad you brought that into this discussion, Derek, because expectation is very dangerous. Because expectation leads to what? Disappointment. Exactly. Disappointment. And disappointment festers, Derek. It festers. And what does disappointment lead to? Resentment. I think we've all experienced this in our relationships, how expectation leads to disappointment and disappointment leads to resentment. And I'll go so far as to say many of us have experienced this with God. Sure. You know, hey, God, you are all loving. Why are you not providing for me? To, to stick a little bit more to that analogy, why are you not providing for me the way that I asked you to provide for me? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. And so for Christopher West, he says, as he's talking to this young man, you have to listen. Mm-hmm. And how do you listen? Well, first of all, you have to enter into that classroom of silence. As the absence of noise in its noun form, yeah, but also the becoming still in its verb form, uh, where silence becomes a virtue, where you go and draw from the inner reserve of crowding out all of that, that noise, that interior chatter, so you can better listen to God. And in doing so, Break open sacred scripture. Go to the church fathers. Go to the mystics to help you better understand what desire is all about. You and I, Derek, were talking before. It's a fascinating thing to look at some of the recent doctors of the church. They're all mystics. Yeah. They're all mystics. What does the church of today want us to see? The importance of of the mystical. And what do we mean by that word mystical? I can hear some of our listeners saying, what do you mean by mystical? Really, it is to encounter the extraordinary in the ordinary. It is to encounter the supernatural in the natural and have that encounter change the way you view the world. How that encounter changes the way you interact with one another. Suddenly, what is mystical becomes what is real, and that new reality fundamentally changes you for who you are and how you relate to one another. You know, and if you look at St. John of Avila and um, St. Teresa of Avila and their Reformation of the Carmelites, Mm -hmm. you know, they had really taken that experience that they had and put it to good work. They didn't just hold it from themselves. They, they took their experience with God and let that be a catalyst for change. They did. And how did they go about doing that? Well, uh, Derek, they understood that before you can love neighbor, right? Before you can uh, enter into that horizontal love, you needed to first enter into that vertical love with God in how we must be first in God so as to be better uh, for other. And this is what the mystical is about. This is what uh, Christopher West is talking about. This is why he gets into how prayer is about desire, right? Well, and to some extent, why it's called theology of the body and not theology of the soul. Mm. You mm. know, it's, it's the body's desire for that vertical love 
which can then be transitioned into that horizontal love. Amen. And, Amen. and where we can love God with our soul and our body. To love someone else, oftentimes we have to love them with our body first and then the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have to share that embrace of friendship. We have to share that, you know, that proximity, that closeness, whether it's just sitting on the couch next to that person or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and as, that, as the body comes to love, so does the soul come to love. But the soul doesn't stop there. The soul wants to direct that love then back vertically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what you see on the cross, right? <laughs> it was G.K. Chesterton who made the point, um, the cross is what? Both horizontal and vertical. Right. And what is on the cross but the body crying out from the soul, okay, mm-hmm. showing us what it means to love with the body and certainly along uh, with the soul. And, and, and amen to that. This is why uh, the corpus on the cross is uh, the great icon of our faith. While it might be so paradoxical, let it be known that uh, when you talk about theology of the body, one draws from certainly the crucifix to better understand it. Well, I think it's important that when we look at Jesus on the cross, Jesus didn't just, you know, there were teachings while Jesus was on the cross. Mm. That, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak, that was his final ambo, yeah. his final yeah. podium. Yes, um, yes. You know, you've got giving Mary to the beloved disciple, but then you have that, you know, that excruciating prayer of, God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Yeah. Um, and then following that, into your hands I commend my spirit. And I think that we can be in moments of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we share in those moments during different areas of the faith. Um, we can have these moments, we can have these spiritual times where we are upset with God, where we are angry with God, um, where we feel abandoned by Him. And it's important for us to realize that, to realize that this is where I'm at. God, why is it that you've put me here? What is your purpose behind this? Yes, yeah. And that's a great prayer, a prayer that comes from the depth, right? When you talk about eros, you're talking about (laughs) what comes from uh, the depth, what comes from the core. Yes, it's it's the, the physical urge, that, that raw material. But remember, as we've talked about it before, it's not reduced to that. That is why we talk about it in the context of the infinite. So uh, those cries come from the depth. Those cries come from the core. Uh, it's interesting, when Jesus had pity, right? That Greek translation is, it gripped him to his very core, uh, the translation is abdominal region, right? And uh, so this is where our prayer needs to come from, the very inner core. And when it does, and when it does, then we have arrived at that place of of prayer. And then we have arrived at that place where we can better understand what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Christopher West highlights this, that verse that says, pray without ceasing. We can pray without ceasing, when prayer itself becomes a longing, when prayer itself comes from something deep within, where everything becomes a conversation with God. Well, and, you know, Jesus talks about not praying like the hypocrites with their mm. many words. And I've mm. often heard from people that what, 
you know, they, they're taking a very literal interpretation. You know, Jesus is saying that, you know, if you're praying something like the rosary that is very rep repetitious, then you're using too many words or something like that. I don't think Jesus is speaking to the practical amount of words that you're using to pray. No, I think what Jesus is alluding to is to make sure that you're not just babbling, that your prayer comes from the heart, mm -hmm. that your prayer comes from the depth, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you are praying with your body and your soul. Yes, yes. Well, that is what he's talking about, right? I mean, um, how many times have we heard it that uh, one Hail Mary pray from the heart is more grand and more wonderful than a whole rosary not prayed from the heart? Why? because it comes from somewhere. It comes from the heart. It comes from a place of meaning. It comes from a place, Derek, of relationship. It really comes full circle to fill these hearts and what Christopher West wants to communicate, because once we understand that this is about a deeper relationship, relationship with our beloved, we will begin to understand the very nature of prayer itself. You know, I am with you now here, Derek, and... Um, Right before we went on air, I was thinking about my children. I was thinking about Jackie. I long to be with him. I never really understood what prayer was about. Well, I did, but to an extent, until I was a husband, yes, but also a father, because I discovered in a new way what longing was all about, where I could be 10 minutes away uh, three hours away or on the other side of the country, and I long to be with my children. God the Father, it's the same thing. He longs to be with us. I hate to regress here to Superman, but <laughs> that salient point that comes to us when Superman is looking down on his son, and he says, it is in becoming a father that I have learned how to be a son. Bang! Yeah. <laughs> right on. He got it. Because as a father, I understand now what it means to be a son in the context of longing, in the context of prayer, in the, in the context of wanting to be, desiring to be with God. Well, and I think, too, as becoming a father, you understand what it is to be a father. You know, often I'm sure your kids come to you with these really frivolous requests about, you know, that extra candy bar, or that extra piece of dessert, the thing that they don't really need, but clearly they want. Yeah. <laughs> How many yeah. times are we like that to God? Yes. God, I really, really need, I really, really want this. Yes. And then he looks down at us and says, yeah, but you don't need it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give that to you. You don't yeah. need it. Yeah, that's a that's a great illustration, Derek. I'm thinking of John Paul II's um, works in Tessimus Anus, where he talks about the needing and the wanting the wanting and the having, and that's really what it's about, you know. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes, because our Father is a Father who, who so often transcends our understanding of things, um, He just might give us the candy bar, right? Sometimes, but it, yeah. it, it goes back to what you are saying earlier. We can't expect it. My four-year-old melts down because he expects it, right? But you gave it to me the day before, and you gave it to me the day before. My wife and I kind of go back and forth on this, and once again, it's to highlight uh, the interpersonal dynamic going on between um, child and parent, and how uh, the very interactions that we have with our children can be a disclosure in how uh, God interacts with us, even if it is just a little bit. Well, and, and to take things in a different direction, 
How often do your kids, when they know that they've done something wrong and they're in trouble and they know it, and, and you try to talk to them about it, you try to meet them where they're at in that moment, do they hide from you? Mm-hmm. Do they not want to talk to you? Do they want to be anywhere else but in that room with you? Yeah. And yet we're the same way with God. Yeah. You know, when we're angry, when we're frustrated with him, and Christopher West goes into this a little bit in this chapter as well, we, we tend to take it out on ourselves. But if we're angry and if we're frustrated with God, to some extent, God wants us to take it out on him. Mm-hmm. He wants that aspect of our relationship with him to be real. Yes. Yeah. So when something happens to us and we're upset, to have it out with God and to understand God desires that because that's prayer, that's conversation, that's what's necessary for the relationship itself to go deeper. Yeah. And uh, if we have arrived at that threshold of going deeper, however we get there, then we need to appreciate that. And we don't always think of it in this way, but as you bring it to the uh, floor here, Derek, it's so important to have it out. Well, and I mean, I mean, I could put it, I think any married person could put it in the context of their marriage. If you only spoke to your spouse when things were good, when the kids were behaved, money wasn't an issue, all the bills were getting paid, all that jazz... If you only spoke to your spouse, sort of a fair-weather spouse, yeah, I guess, yeah. to say, how good of a marriage would you really have? I would wager that probably not a very good one. Yeah. Because it's really in those crucibles of the bad times that we've, we're stronger in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. We need those sort of crucibles in our lives. Yeah, because they're a means to unity. Conflict is a means to unity. And I think every married couple out there who's listening to this radio program knows exactly what you're talking (laughs) about and we're talking about right now, Derek. And it's a fascinating thing to talk about the crucible. I often get, you know, Joe, I'm going through something excruciating. I'm going through something excruciating. Well, what does the word excruciating mean? But literally, excruciates from the cross. So if we're going through something excruciating, be mindful that it actually might be something of a gift. A severe gift, yes, Sure. because mercy sometimes is severe. There's a great workout by one Sheldon Vanakin called A Severe Mercy, and he talks about in losing his wife, God gave him a severe mercy because it drew him closer to God. Probably not the way he wanted to grow closer to God. No. But the fruit of that gift. Yes. Because God has one thing. He desires one thing for us, to be in relationship with Him, of course. Salvation. Eternity. Yep. So if He sticks out His foot and we fall, then let us fall. If it means getting back up and doing something right a second time. St. Alphonsus Liguori said that it is better for me to spend eternity in hell, if God wills it, than to make it to heaven by my own means. Amen. Amen. And with that, I think we'll uh, wrap up. I don't know if you had any other closing thoughts, uh, Derek. Just, I think it's important for all of us to remember that despite those moments of excruciation, they come from love, and that God is love and a loving Father. Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, 
and never shall be world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.